Canada is on its way to having some form of national child care program. In its recent fall economic update, the Trudeau government announced it was looking at more than $400 million for the provinces to train qualified staff as a preview of more money coming in next year's budget. But is a plan to create more childcare spaces the right move? Post Media columnist Tasha Carradine joins me to talk about what the feds are proposing, why it may not meet the needs of kids, and why the government should instead pursue offering parents more flexibility. Don't forget you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Tasha, one issue brought to the fore by COVID-19 and the ensuing recession is the notion that we need a stronger childcare system for a strong workforce to facilitate the economic growth we're going to need in the coming years. And that's something that the Trudeau government tried to address with its recent economic update. And I don't want to get too into the weeds on what they're proposing, but what is it that the feds are telling us they're going to do on that front? They're telling us they're going to spend a lot of money without a lot of detail, quite frankly. They are proposing uh, right off the bat $420 million for early childhood educators. They're creating what they call a childhood secretariat, which is basically a bureaucracy to study childcare for $20 million. Um, That's a bit ironic considering a lot of studies have been done and they probably don't need a secretariat to do that, but in any event... (laughs) The uh, estimate for the entire thing, though, if you were to do a Quebec-style daycare system uh, across the country, Scotiabank pegged that at about $11.5 billion a year. So we don't have final numbers from the feds what they're going to do. And it's not clear either what exactly this is going to look like and how much provincial autonomy there will be, for example. But we do know whatever is coming down will be quite expensive because they are proposing to extend a universal system, probably similar to Quebec, to the rest of the country. What is it about childcare and the importance of having more people in the workforce? Is it tax revenue? Is it having workers for big companies? Or is it as important as some people are saying it is? It's a combination of things. I think if you talk to parents, every parent wants their child to be well cared for and happy and well nurtured. And most parents, when you ask them if their preference is for their child to be cared outside the home or inside the home, would say inside the home. And the reality is that it isn't always feasible to do that. And that is a reflection more, I think, of our economic situation and also people's expectations rather than what parents necessarily want to have. To say to parents, you want to put your kids in a daycare center, sort of regulated childcare space that you traditionally hear about the government wants to create, Mm -hmm. that is not the priority. Parents do not want that. In fact, that's the last option they prefer. They do prefer sometimes they want more home-based care, small types of centers or like in in a house or a nanny or something like, these are more expensive options generally. And so you see parents who can't afford them. They then the government says, well, you know, your, your option, we're going to create more childcare spaces and you can, you know, put your kids there. And that's great. The push for this also comes from corporate Canada. This is what drives me a little nuts as a parent and as a mother. I fully endorse women working. No question. I am a working woman. I went back to work part time when my daughter was nine months old, mm-hmm. but I chose a work path that allowed me to spend as much time with her as possible and still meet my obligations. And I think that's what we're not encouraging. And that's what interests me here is that in this discussion, the priority is always, let's create regulated childcare center spaces. 
that's the gold standard the government puts out there when it's backwards. The idea to me is that you should encourage parents to be able to make the choice they choose and want, and which is arguably best for children, which is in their very early years to be at home or in a home-based type environment, which is more secure for the child. When they're older, yes, childcare at the age of three or four, when they're usually actually now in school, at least in Ontario where I am, that becomes an option I think that is interesting for many kids. But prior to that, parents want to, generally speaking, have a more home-based type care if they can afford it. So why doesn't the government prioritize that and say, let's look at options and ways to enable parents to be able to make that choice instead of saying, here, we're just going to create spaces so you can put your kids outside your house. So that's essentially where you feel the government's missing a mark is that there's all this talk about potentially emulating what Quebec does with daycare and creating vast swaths of daycare spaces when we're not talking about solutions to ensure that very young children are more closely spending their time with their parents. Correct. And I think the other piece of this too is that you'll hear a lot of early childhood educators say, well, you know, childcare benefits kids. They're going to be ahead in school. They're going to learn more. It's great. Get your two-year-old to master the alphabet. I don't know. I mean, these arguments, however, fly in the face of data collected in the U.S., for example, from Head Start programs and even in Quebec too, which show that kids may seem to have a bit of an early advantage when they have spent years in care other than their parents and they're being taught things like this. It tends to peter out by grade four. The advantage in Head Start was done by the end of grade three. And so it really shows that it's the familial environment that actually, if you want to have long-term gains, that sort of bond between parents and their kids and parents learning to teach their children and being their, I guess, primary educators in a way, that will foster potentially a longer-term benefit to kids because as they go through the rest of their life, they need to be able to have that basis whether they're in school or other places to fall back on. And so the idea that you're just going to, you know, create a whole generation of well-bred little soldiers to go to work, it bothers me. It really does. I think encouraging the family and encouraging people to perhaps job share so that both mom and dad could each work part-time and be home with kids the rest of the time or encourage companies and this can be through, you know, tax incentives if the government does want to get involved in this to say, "Hey, If you give your employees extra flexibility so that they can spend more time with their kids, we will reward you for that. Make it a positive thing as opposed to something that we just say, well, let's get everyone working, get the kids in daycare, and then everything will be fine. So this isn't like you have the conservatives who in the past have said, here's a handful of money to spend on childcare, and then more liberal-leaning parties would say, well, no, 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 we need to set up a state-run solution this is kind of an in-between for you, right? That it's essentially trying to find ways to offer more flexibility for families and for kids and for, and even for companies, which we've learned through the pandemic is something that is feasible. Well, this is the irony. I think a lot of parents are realizing through the pandemic that there are pros and cons to working from home, for one thing. When you have kids who are in school trying to learn remotely um, and talking school as in kindergarten on, it's hard to do if you're trying to work full-time at home as well. At the same time, if you have the flexibility in your hours at home, it's not as hard. So if you have that flexibility in your job, if you were able to work from home and have some flexibility, it would make it a lot easier to be able to take care of your child in a home environment, be able to find ways to balance life and work. And that's something I think that if there's any silver lining in this pandemic that we can take out of it is to find those new ways of being so that everyone benefits, including kids, because 
what I find frustrating is that it's the children who get really left out of this equation. Everyone talks about the needs of companies to have a workforce and to have women in the workforce. Women will say, we don't want to lose out on our careers. We want to be working. The concerns of all the adults are very valid. At the same time, what about the kids? And many women also would like to spend time with their kids. Many fathers would like to spend more time with their kids. That to me is a very important social goal. So instead of choosing to find ways to keep everybody apart all the time, why don't we find ways to keep them together for those early years? And then after that, I think you would have probably a lot less anxiety in the house too. And that's something else in this pandemic. I think a lot of us are realizing that minimizing stress is something as a goal too, Mm -hmm. that we should all be working towards as opposed to, you know, the opposite. In past years, I've seen stories about, you know, as soon as you have a kid or as soon as you find out that you're pregnant, you want to find a childcare space for your son or your daughter, because ultimately there's waiting lists for good daycares and it's hard to find a good licensed day home and things along those lines. But is there actually a demand right now for the kind of program that the Trudeau government is looking at? Well, no, if you want to go to the immediate situation, we're finding that actually, no, the uptake in childcare spaces is much lower, not surprisingly, because a lot of people are either out of work or they're at home. And they're saying, well, you know, if I'm here, why am I going to put my kids somewhere else? In Ontario, a study that was done by Cardis found that 93% of daycares reopened in last September, but places like Brampton, for example, only 20% of childcare spaces actually had children in them. And in Alberta, Similarly, 94% of daycares were operating. The enrollment rate was about 50%. So the demand in the immediate, you know, it's not the women aren't going back to work because they can't find childcare. It's because their jobs have disappeared. A lot of women work in the retail sector, overrepresented there. Mm -hmm. And that has been decimated, as well as the hospitality sector. So you're seeing places where large numbers of women were employed no longer have jobs for them. So to say that women are are all losing out because there's no childcare is wrong right now. I think that women who want to work and want to find childcare, obviously the government is listening to them, but they're also listening to a lot of interests like unions and others who have vested interests in creating a childcare industry, which is a totally different thing than taking care of children. And that's what frustrates me too, is that, again, it's not the children's voices that are being heard. It's people who would benefit from having large unionized childcare spaces like in Quebec, where by the way, the childcare workers have frequently gone on strike, which Mm -hmm. is very frustrating for parents who then have nowhere to put them at all. What about the people for whom flexible work hours or working from home situation, what about them? Like, I can understand why you can make a case that, yeah, maybe the government should offer tax incentives to companies or maybe offer extended maternity or paternity leave. But what about for people for whom that's not feasible, like teachers or doctors or, you know, service sector workers, or you talked about just a second ago, retail workers, what kind of resources do you think that the government can provide for them or should they provide for them? Not every job will allow for flexibility. That we know. Retail, though, I would say that there is a possibility of working shifts. And in fact, I was speaking to someone who does work shifts who said, a childcare system like what the government's proposing doesn't help me because I can't put my child in a childcare center in the evening. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So in fact, it's flexibility and choice is important for everyone. This goes to the idea that Not every family is the same. Not everyone's needs are the same. And yes, some people will make the choice or have no other choice than to say, I have to put my child in a childcare center. It is what I can afford. It is what is available to me. And it fits, you know, the parameters. And I have to go to work full time and I cannot, you know, choose otherwise. And there will be people who fall into that situation. But 
that is not necessarily saying that is the best situation everyone should aim for. And that's why I'm saying we're going at it backwards. Providing choice to parents, providing the resources, and governments do make transfers. This government has increased child transfers significantly, the federal government has, which does allow parents to choose what they do with that money. Mm -hmm. Do they spend it on in-home child care? Do they work less hours? Do they put their children somewhere else? They have a choice at least. That choice is important to encourage, but that choice also implies that you don't prioritize one model over another, which is what they are going to be doing in their childcare plan. There's no question that is the push that we've heard for a very long time from people in the space, either unions or educators who have a different view necessarily also of what's best for the kids, yeah. you know, that they should be learning their ABCs at, you know, two or three or whatever. Whereas other people might say, no, like they will learn that later. They should be children. They should be cared for by parents primarily. Now, ultimately, I'm going to assume that the federal government is not listening to this podcast, so they may <laughs> not get the message about what we're talking about. So let's assume the Trudeau government is going to go forward with this, and I imagine probably backed in some way by the NDP or maybe the Bloc Québécois or maybe the Green Party. So if we move to a system like this and it's in place or on the way to being in place before the next elections, how do you think the Conservative Party could reform it without looking as though they're taking childcare away from parents who rely on it? And even what should Conservatives be looking at proposing as an alternative? Well, I think Conservatives should look at proposing choice and to say, what is the priority? The priority to us is to enable families to make the choice that is the best for their kids. And if families feel, and if you ask them most do, that some form of home-based care primarily is best for their children, then that's what we should be putting as the number one choice. So what does that imply? That could imply, like I said, it could imply direct transfers. It could imply also encouraging companies to offer those options so that people aren't shut out of the labor force. Because yes, taking, if you have two kids, five years out of your full-time job for, let's say a woman, the mother will definitely affect her career. Definitely. There's no question. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to work part-time and that is a recognized choice and available to fathers too, then that would be less prejudicial to your career. It's a choice you might choose to make if it was available. But again, companies may not choose to do that unless the government does offer them some kind of incentive. So incentivize that. Do pilot projects. See what works. Because right now, we're just assuming one model does. So I think the conservatives could propose a suite of options and say, we're going to try and put children and families first. And that is going to be our priority. And this is how we're, you know, from A to B, here's how we're going to choose to do it. And I think people would be interested in that because it's something that's not been advocated at all. It's always been, let's just create spaces and the children will go there somehow and we'll fill them. Whereas that is not, that's backwards. It's not necessarily what people want. So I think they could do that. And that wouldn't be seen as taking things away. It would be seen as offering other options. Well, it's definitely an issue that's top of mind for a lot of parents across the country. Tasha, thanks for your insight on this. Thanks very much, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tasha Carradine. More from her at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>